0: Love is the golden chain that binds, happy souls above. It's the golden chain that binds us as well, those who feel that from deep inside, but also experience that and feel that with each other. It's a very special thing and a great blessing to be a part of a church family, to be able to gather together today in person as we sing together and pray together, partake around the table together as Davy led us be challenged together from God's Word. It's a wonderful blessing to be a part of an online crowd. Joyce and I were able to uh, be uh, that last week. I was able to share uh, the great assembly that was here last week, the wonderful comments from Eric. And it's just a great blessing to have that relationship, to have that love, to have that fellowship. It's a part of being able to live well. It's a part of being able to live Life effectively. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about uh, how to live effectively, steps to effective living, Uh, basing our thoughts on Stephen Covey's uh, great book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective uh, Living. And I think that as we've gone through those, we've seen uh, several of those. Begin with the end in mind is how he put it, living with the end in mind is how we put it, seeking first to understand. Then to be understood, trying to understand where someone else is coming from, actually listening, living a life with priorities, not just doing something, but doing the right uh, somethings, being willing to try to find that potential for a win-win to where you don't have a winner and a loser in whatever tension or conflict or relationship you're feeling, but something is good that is good for everybody. And so as we end that series today, I've entitled this message, Keep On Keeping On. And it's because of a a quote that I have from the preacher that uh, baptized Joyce and me way back in the day in San Antonio, later would marry us and then became a a missionary to India. He has gone on and is with the Lord now. But that was one of his sayings, keep on keeping on. And if you're going to live effectively, that's what you have to do. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on means developing the habits of effective living. Thinking of all those habits that we've been through over the last several weeks and also uh, the ones that we haven't mentioned at all because that list could be very long, as you would figure. And being willing to live that way and to strive to be that way but not to stop doing that. But to keep on keeping on, to keep on developing and cultivating those things that will make for a healthier life, a more effective life, and yes, I believe, a happier life. Happy not in the sense that the world understands that term, where it's totally based on the circumstances that you're in, but a sense of happiness and joy that comes from way down deep that knows that the God of all comfort is comforting us and has called us to do that with others as well. And so keep on keeping on means developing these habits of effective living, living the effective life day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. To not give up, to keep on keeping on. So four things today about what keep on keeping on really looks like. First of all, to keep on keeping on, we must have creative cooperation. And Covey's word for that is the word synergy. Maybe you've heard that before, perhaps more of a business kind of term, synergy. And I want us to be able to recognize what that is, but I want us to hear it, first of all, from the Apostle Paul in 1st Corinthians chapter 12 and as we read this great passage it will help us to understand what that word means and what it looks like in a church setting 1st Corinthians 12 first of all read verses 12 through 14 just as a body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body so it is with christ for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles slave or free and we were all given the one spirit to to drink even so the body is not made up of one part but of many and then he goes on and talks about a few different parts of the body and says look just because a hand's not a foot doesn't mean it's not a part of the body and vice versa just because a foot's not a hand doesn't mean it's less than the hand He talks about parts of the body from this perspective by saying one part can't say to the other part because you're not like me, you don't belong to the body. That's not true. And another part can't look to someone else to a different part and say, well, because I'm not like them, I'm not a part of the body. I'm just not good enough. I'm not as good as some of those others. I'm not as needed. Well, that's not true. There's not an unnecessary part of our bodies. We want to hold on to all of them and they all have... A function Uh, we continue reading in first corinthians 12 verse 20 as it is there are many parts but one body and then finally verses 26 and 27 if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part rejoices with it now you are the body of christ and each one of you is a part of it that's synergy in the church. One body but many members. One body but many members. And if we're gonna have creative cooperation then that means something. Synergy implies unity in diversity. Synergy implies unity in diversity, not uniformity. Uniformity I think in some ways is the opposite of diversity the church is diverse just like your human body is diverse it's got lots of different parts lots of different members but they all form one body in unity not the same the hand can't say to the eye you have to be the same as me that's uniformity nor can the hand say to the eye because you're not me you're not a part of the body The truth is, there is unity in diversity, and that seems to be something that's intention seems to be something in conflict. One of the things that Eric shared last week as he talked about the Prince of Shalom, Jesus being the Prince of Peace, is it's not peace in the absence of chaos, but rather it's peace in the midst of chaos. And there's that, that kind of, that, that, that doesn't sound right, but it is right. And only Jesus can give that. And in the same way, there can be unity and diversity. Doesn't mean everybody's the same. It just means there's a sense of unity, a sense of commonness, a common purpose. We realize that nations are diverse as well. And we recognize that that can bring tension and even conflict. But it helps a nation to be diverse. Diversity helps strengthen us only if there is enough in common when it comes to the core values. When that's not the case, then it becomes a conflict. In the same way, the church is unity and diversity, and we're different. We have different passions, we have different skills, we have different gifts, we have different likes and dislikes, different preferences. All of that is good and fine, so long as the core values are there. And the core values come from right here. One body, but many members, and all the members form one body. Why? Because there is one head of that body, and that is Jesus Christ. And so we find it sweet and heavenly, when we share that oneness and that unity. To keep on keeping on, we must have creative cooperation, synergy. Synergy emphasizes and values the relationship the parts have to each other. Synergy means that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It's not just adding up the parts and coming to a sum total. But it's saying those parts interact and work together and perform different functions within the body to make the body better. And that's the same with the body of Christ. We are many members but one body. And I appreciate Davy's wonderful communion thoughts. To look up, to to look back, to look up to God, to look back... ...to God's salvation history... ...and how He's always been there for us... ...to look ahead to what's in front of us... ...and the great blessing that we have. But the one that really stood out to me... ...was the one that says, look around. That's not one we like to talk about... ...during the communion. But that's exactly why Jesus came and died. He deliberately left... (laughs) ...having His primary focus upon the Father in order to take on all of the distractions of the world so that He could take part with us and become our Savior. Why? Because He wanted to be one with us in that sense of being able to share with Him the eternal presence of the Father. That's a great, great blessing. And we're reminded of that every Sunday when we take communion together. Sometimes we have to take it by ourselves. I get that and I understand that and what a blessing it is that we can do that. But the idea is for us to gather around the table together and to acknowledge that unity that we have in spite of our diversity and to be able to share the common love that we have for the common Savior because of the commonality of our sins. When there is mutual love, respect, and trust, our differences can be our strength. This coming January I'll start a series of sermons How to connect with the culture without deleting the church And that's our call, isn't it? Connecting with each other And yet at the same time Seeking to connect with our culture Seeking to connect with our friends at school With our friends at work With our neighbors With our family members In such a way that we can influence them And help them to become closer to their Creator How can we do that? How can we connect with that culture without deleting the church? I'm looking forward to that series. And we're described it in that song that we sang, Rusty. How sweet, how heavenly is the sight. When those that love the Lord in one another's peace delight and so fulfill the word. To keep on keeping on, we must have creative cooperation synergy. Secondly, to keep on keeping on, we must sharpen the saw. That is renewal. These very familiar words in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by The renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The Apostle Paul begins by looking back at the previous 11 chapters. And talking about the great blessings. As Davy said, we can't count them all. There's no paper big enough to include them all on it. And so Paul says, look, because of all these incomparable blessings of God, how do we respond? By giving our bodies, ourselves, our lives, presenting them as a living sacrifice. If called upon, we would give our lives for the Lord. I certainly hope that would be true. But we have the opportunity to do that every single day by living for Him. And that's what Paul encourages us to do, commands us to do. In view of God's mercy, present yourselves, your bodies, your lives as living sacrifices... That's our act of worship today, every single day. And then he goes on in verse 2 and says, Don't conform to this world. Uh, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, is how the Phillips translation uses that. And I love that translation. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. How can you avoid doing that? By renewing. By renewing. By the renewal of your mind romans elsewhere says faith comes by hearing the message of christ the familiar translation of romans 10 17 faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god to keep on keeping on we must sharpen the saw we must renew we must continue to cultivate and develop these habits of effective living and renewal implies growth Renewal implies growth growth. Peter says to his hearers that not only are we to have these great characteristics, we are to have them in increasing measure. That means growth. Are you growing? Are you growing in your faith? Are you growing in your knowledge and understanding of God's word? Our shepherd David Wick shared with us that wonderful, marvelous passage in Psalm 19, which is really about the word of God and about the the worship and fellowship that we enjoy together. But that announcement that the creation makes without words in all languages, we wouldn't have that great passage and that great understanding, knowing that the heavens declare the glory of God. We wouldn't know that unless we read the scripture. Unless we're willing to commit to renewing ourselves and to growing in our faith. Renewal implies growth. We began this series talking about inside out that, that, op- that idea of developing and cultivating our lives from the inside out. Not just working on the externals, but working on the inside. My relationship with God, my heart my understanding of God's Word, and to understand it and to follow it, we have to know it, and to know it, we have to read it. That's renewal. That's sharpening the saw. To keep on keeping on, we must sharpen the saw. We must renew. We must grow. Something is not growing, it's what? Well, it's either dead or dying. Are you growing in your faith? Are you renewing every day or are you conforming to the pattern of this world? Thirdly, to keep on keeping on, we must acknowledge the law of the harvest. We must acknowledge the law of the harvest. Now, you're looking at a city boy born and raised in San Antonio, not exactly a rural part of the country. Um, Lived for 20 years in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex, even worse Uh, college in Oklahoma City, nine and a half years in Winston-Salem, North Carolina of about 200,000 people and in the midst of a triad of a whole lot more than that. And now here in Tyler. And so when I start talking about the law of the harvest, I'm not speaking from experience, okay? (laughs) That's called a disclaimer. So that every comment that I make from here on out that I get wrong, it'll be okay. I've already acknowledged that. But I can give you some words from someone who was very, very familiar with the rural agricultural world. You see, when Jesus told his parables, that's what he talked about because that's what they knew. And Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the Apostle, was perhaps maybe five years or so younger than Jesus, lived in that same world. And this is what he writes in Galatians chapter 6, beginning at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. To keep on keeping on we must acknowledge the law of the harvest. Now my grandma Lewis in DeRidder, Louisiana had an acre square garden. They had acres and acres and acres, hundreds of acres of pine trees. But she also kept an acre square garden. And so when this little city boy was able to go and spend a week or so with the grandparents in Louisiana, depending on what time of year it was, we got to dig in the dirt a little bit and plant sow, or we got to walk through the rows and gather the harvest. Paul speaks of the law of the harvest here, and that's simply this, what you plant, that's what you'll gather. What you sow, that's what you reap. And what Paul is challenging us to do is to sow good things. Plant good seed, to be willing to obey the law of the harvest in a good way. And here's the thing that I do understand about agriculture there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. If you recognize the law of the harvest, then you recognize it takes work. It it just takes work, effort. And that's true of a whole lot more than just agriculture and farming and planting and reaping. It's true of relationships, it's true of developing your own faith. It's true of being active in a church. It's true of keep on keeping on. It takes effort. It takes work. But it's worth it. Just like gathering the crop is worth it. There are no shortcuts. 20th century Author and businessman Bruce Barton wrote this. Sometimes, when I consider what tremendous consequences come from little things, I am tempted to think there are no little things. (laughs) And I like that quote there are no little things. Everything we do matters, everything we do is important. And that's why it's good to be reminded of the law of the harvest because those things will gather something. Those things will reap something. Jesus said, by their fruits, you'll know them. By what comes out of their lives, by what they leave in their wake, you'll know what's in their heart. You'll know what kind of person that is. You'll know what kind of faith that is. To keep on keeping on, we acknowledge the law of the harvest and a part of that is to acknowledge there are no shortcuts I suppose there's probably a book, Christianity for Dummies. (laughs) Some of you may give me for Christmas the book, Preaching for Dummies. That'd be okay. Probably could glean something from that. But the truth is, the Christian life contains no shortcuts. It's a blessing every step of the way, and we get it wrong some of the time, but in each moment, in each step, there is renewal. There is growth. there is the gathering and the reaping of a good, healthy crop provided. We have acknowledged the law of the harvest and planted good, healthy seed. Finally today, to keep on keeping on means we must look to Jesus. We must look to Jesus. We cannot do this without it. And Paul or the writer of Hebrews acknowledges that in Hebrews chapter 12. You know the honor roll of faith in Hebrews 11, where much of the Old Testament is given in a brief summary and survey of all the good things that people did by faith. Biblical faith is an active faith. And so he gives us lots of examples of people that had an active faith, that believed and trusted in God and then acted like they did, took Him at His word and lived obediently. Not perfectly, but faithfully. And so the last of those great examples is the best one of all. Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will keep on keeping on. You see, that's what Jesus did. He did not quit. He kept on keeping on. And now it's up to us. To not grow so weary and so tired that we give up. And believe me, I know, I know, we're tired. (laughs) You want to describe how people feel over the last five years here in this country? Tired is a good word. We're tired. We're tired of it all. We're tired of the struggle. We're tired of COVID. We're tired of the treatments of COVID. We're tired of the news about COVID. Okay, I'm not going to say that anymore. We're tired of the conflicts. We're tired of the bickering. We're tired of the polarization. And if you think you're tired and you have a little bit of gray in your hair, you're not nearly as tired as these kids over here are of it. They're not going to have it. They're just not. They're not going to fight those battles. They don't care about that stuff. They care about stuff that's far more important and far more eternal And that's what happens when you look to Jesus. Eric writes in his Burlington article this week about running the race, but making sure that you're running with the current of God and not against it. And I think that's so well said. Are you with the current of God? Or are you fighting it? To keep on keeping on, we must look to Jesus. Because, that, because he did it. And he did it well. And he did it for the joy set before him. Because when you realize and recognize that joy set before you, that nothing that happens in this world can take away, then you can endure the difficulties that you face in this world. And that's the thing that separates Christianity and the Bible from everything else. Everything else says, let me tell you how to make your circumstances better so that you can be happy, so that you can find peace. Jesus comes along and says, circumstances are important and you better deal with them. But that's not what brings peace. It's not what makes you happy. That's not what makes you content. That's not what gives you joy what gives you joy is to be in that relationship with God. And for that to happen, we have to keep on keeping on. The reason for the existence of the church is so that we can help each other do just that. That's what we want. As we are continually leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus, our prayer is that God would bind us together in love. This morning, if you need help, so that you can keep on keeping on. That's what the church is for. That's what we're all about. You'll find that help. If we can help today, you can ask for that help, and we'll give it. Come to the front if you like as we stand and sing our song together.